Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today. High 43 tonight and overnight clear. Low 31. And then Friday, sunshine, high 47. You're going to notice if you walk out the door right now, it is a lot colder than it has been over the last week. And you'll say, oh, right, it's winter. 32 and clear in North Hampstead out on Long Island. It's 31 and clear in Patterson down in New Jersey. And it is 30 and clear outside our Midtown studio. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, sit in friends in the morning. Overnight. We found that more migrants are living in cramped locations across the city. You might remember we reported to you earlier this week that they found about 80 migrants sharing 40 beds in a furniture store out in Queens in the basement. And they weren't all sleeping there at the same time. They were sleeping in shifts. And so... uh They went after this guy who owned the furniture store, who now claims that he did it as a goodwill gesture, that these people had no place to live. He asked them for $2,400 deposits up front, and then they would pay him $300 a month for a bed, only two bathrooms at that place in Queens. So now they come to find out this guy also has a place up in the Bronx. And uh, they busted that up last night, uh, walking in and finding that it was the same situation. There was about 40 bunk beds in this building up in the Bronx on East Kingsbridge Road. It was an illegally converted store into sleeping quarters. They weren't all in the basement this time, I guess. They were some of them on the first floor. Same thing, though, about like 80 men or so sharing two bathrooms and, uh, well, here's some of those people who now are going to be living potentially in migrant shelters. He said the place is not good because the bathroom is outside. So anybody going to the bathroom, like you say, and then you're, you're going to go smell and then whatever they use over there. What? So the bathroom, he said, it's not, the condition is not good. So there were 45 beds in one room, 11 on another floor. Uh, whatever it was, it was all tightly packed in together. Maybe a little more frightening than that was not only did they have these beds in there, but they also had were charging their electric bikes and scooters inside this space. Uh, and we know what's happened with uh, batteries exploding, uh, those ion batteries. And so that could have been a potential disaster there. But now some of these people are trying to figure out where they're going to go. The city offered them a chance to hop on a bus and go to one of the city shelters. You don't know about the law. So the only thing he know, he have place to, 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 to live because he's cold outside. You don't have no choice. He's going to take it. 
Yeah, and some of these men were saying, wait a minute, I paid rent. I gave this guy 2400 bucks up front. I'm now paying him 300 bucks a month. I'm out all that money. Am I going to get it back? It's not clear if they will. As a result, the city's Department of Building issuing this vacate order for this store due to hazardous life-threatening conditions, lack of natural light. The list goes on and on. Ebo Sar, he's the guy who owns that furniture store in Queens where the migrants were living in the basement. He also owns this space up in the Bronx. And again, he says he thought he was just doing a good thing. The guys will, they will be sleeping on the streets for days. So when they started coming to me, telling me their stories, I started helping them. Yeah, well, you can question if that was what was going on here. His initial motive was just helping them out or making a fair amount of money on the side in stores that were essentially vacant. The migrants were out in the cold last night waiting for these buses to pick them up. Others said, no, they're going to try to find another space to live. They kick them out so they don't have no place to sleep. I'm wondering uh, if the police are going to leave them like that or they're going to take them to their shelter. That's what I just want to know. Yeah, so the owner in this case is going to face some zoning law violations. My guess is they'll smack him with some other violations as well. Last night in Idaho, they were expected to put together uh, a convicted killer. They were going to do the old-fashioned way, or essentially now the old-fashioned way, with an IV, a lethal drugs, uh, into his body. But they couldn't find a vein for it to work on. Uh, NBC's news is Liz's Kretz has more on this story. Media witnesses describe how the 73-year-old laid strapped on the execution table for more than 45 minutes, at times looking over and waving at his family. His eyes started to fill with tears, and I heard him sniffling. Yeah, so medics uh, made eight attempts to start an IV on Thomas Creech. No avail. The Idaho Department of Corrections warden then stepped in. He said, you know, stop the execution. It's not going to happen. Creech convicted of five murders in three states, also killed an inmate, which led to the death sentence. And now they're trying to figure out another way to put him to death. The Supreme Court. You might have heard has agreed to hear Donald Trump's appeal of the unanimous lower court decision rejecting his claims of sweeping presidential immunity in the face of that special counsel case against him for alleged election interference back in 2020. The justices said they'll take up this question in oral arguments the week of April 22nd. Of course, the question is, how quick will they come back with their decision? Uh, somebody who's a court watcher for ABC says she has her own take on all this. So think about the United States versus Nixon, another case involving a president making sweeping claims of immunity. Um, and the court in 1974 decided that case three weeks, less than three weeks after the oral argument. So we could get a quick decision, say, in early May, but that would still require the trial court to resume proceedings and move things along very, very quickly. Now, if you've been under a rock, haven't been following this story, Trump facing four felony counts, including conspiracy to defraud the U.S., obstruction and connection with his plot to remain in power. He pled not guilty to the charges last year. So a trial date was initially set for March 4th, but was pushed back due to Trump's attempts to have the case dismissed on the grounds he's totally immune from prosecution for any actions taken while he was serving in the White House. So the big date again for these oral arguments before the Supreme Court will be April 22nd. WABC News Time 509. Let's go down to Washington. Democrat Tom Swazi sworn in last night. U.S. Capitol Swazi makes his return to Congress for the fourth time, gaining another seat for Democrats after winning Long Island's third congressional district in a bitter, a bitter race against Republican Mozzie Pillup. He's been there. He's already negotiated. And the most important thing, he's willing to work across the aisle. 
whether it's a Democrat or Republican, someone to say, I'm willing to work across the aisle. Isn't that what it's all about? These are some of the voters wishing him well yesterday. Swazi campaigning on working with politicians across the aisle, with many voters say he had a proven track record. That's why they went for him. Well, he can't be any worse than that Santos character. So I'm shocked he stayed there for so long, to be honest with you. I mean, how the hell he got in there with all this, I don't understand. And I don't want to pay for his Botox anymore. Okay, however, uh, Swazi dealing with a quick turnaround time will have to hit the campaign trail once again for the November election to secure a full two-year term. Congressional leaders in D.C. reaching a deal for a short-term funding extension to prevent a partial government shutdown. The House is expected to vote Thursday on a bill for temporary funding. The Senate will then vote shortly after. It is expected to pass in the House, but may face some hurdles in the Senate. The deal would stop a potential shutdown this Friday of around 20% of the government, with a new funding deadline of March the 8th for that 20%, and March the 22nd for the other 80%. I'm Mark Mayfield. At 510, let's head a little further south down to Orlando, Florida, where there are at least 100 people there looking for a missing 13-year-old. Her name is Madeline Soto. This is every parent's worst nightmare. Orange County Sheriff John Mina there says the teenager had told friends that she wanted to live in the woods once she turned 13 years old. Those working on the case include deputies, uh, detectives, intelligence analysts. Madeline Soto last seen Monday morning in a church parking lot. She had left her phone at home. The thought is she is on her own in the woods, but so far they have not been able to find her. Up to the University of Georgia, new details being released in the death of that nursing student who was killed on the campus of the University of Georgia by a recent migrant. Athens Mayor Kelly Gertz speaking about the situation. So as a parent and as a career educator, this is a traumatizing experience. 22-year-old Lakin Riley was found dead last week after she went missing while running near the university's campus. The new report claims the suspect, this recent migrant, Jose Ibarra from Venezuela, attacked Riley, disfiguring her skull, then dragged her body to a secluded wooded area. Officials had previously only said Riley died from blunt force trauma. While that press conference was going on yesterday with the Athens mayor, Kelly Gertz, a group of protesters showed up uh, saying that the mayor has made Athens too welcoming to migrants, essentially making it a sanctuary city, though it's not officially one. And uh, while he had this press conference, these protesters were trying to interrupt him. You need to resign. Resign now. Resign. Resign now. You allowed this to happen, sir. Yeah, that illegal immigrant from uh, Venezuela was arrested last week in connection to the death of that nursing student. Over to Texas, where devastating wildfires continue to burn in the Texas panhandle. Terrain is rough, so it is making for a hard fight. Max Dunlap has the... Armorillo Armorillo Office of Emergency Management, the largest of the fires called the Smokehouse Creek fires, become the second largest wildfire in Texas history. It is zero percent contained, according to the Texas A&M Forest Service. Many small towns have been evacuated. One of them, called Fritch, has been hit really hard. Dozens of homes, cars totally destroyed. The sheer ability for our firefighters here locally to do what they did over the last 48 hours is extreme. Yeah, nobody can remember seeing a fire like this one. For them to actively respond in zero visibility conditions with those smoke conditions is a testament to what 
first responders and the pain handle can do. Yeah, they're attacking this from the sky, down on the ground, but when you hear that it's 0% contained, that's awfully frightening. 513, Hunter Biden giving closed-door testimony on Capitol Hill yesterday in the impeachment inquiry of his father, of course, President Biden. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer says the investigation has unearthed substantial evidence Biden used his time as vice president to improperly benefit his family financially. President Biden has repeatedly lied to the American people that he never interacted with his son's associates. But when Joe Biden was vice president, he spoke to his associate, his son's associates by speakerphone over 20 times. Homer claims that Biden had 20 shell companies that raked in millions of dollars from entities in China, Russia, Ukraine, and others. He accused the president of lying about his involvement in his son's foreign business dealings. The Bidens received a $3 million payment as a thank you for work completed when Joe Biden was vice president shortly after Joe Biden left office. Yes, so this impeachment inquiry into the president moving into its next phase. James Comer says it involves a public hearing, including testimony from the president's son, Hunter. Hunter gave that deposition to lawmakers yesterday behind closed doors in which he denied his father was ever involved in his business ventures. Comer says Hunter's testimony included claims that contradicted testimony from other witnesses. Republicans have accused Biden of carrying out an influence peddling scheme while he served as vice president under Barack Obama. 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Friday Eve. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Friday Eve. Good morning to you as well, Noam Olayden. Start here in the NHL on the ice. Artemi Panarin had two goals and an assist. Igor Shosturkin stopped 30 shots. And the Rangers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-1 to last night at the Garden. Chris Kreider had a goal and an assist. And Adam Fox also scored for the Blue Shirts, who won their sixth straight game at home and 11th in their last 12 overall. New York, first in the Eastern Conference, improved to 12-2-1 in the last 15 games, three nights after having a 10-game winning streak snapped at Columbus on Sunday. Kreider and Panarin scored empty netters 41 seconds apart. In the final minute, Kreider got his 30th, the third straight season. The veteran forward has achieved that milestone, and Panarin increased his career best total to 35. The Rangers have 83 points, tied with Vancouver atop the NHL standings, though the Canucks have played one more game. Panarin's first goal of the night was the 250th of his career, which included two seasons with the Blue Jackets before he signed a seven-year free agent contract with the Rangers in July 2019. feels like yesterday. Panarin leads the Rangers with 82 points and has points in 48 of New York's 60 games this season. The Rangers finished February with a 10-1-0 record, outscoring opponents 40-22. to Shesterkin in net won his seventh straight game to improve to 26-12-1 this season. 28-year-old tender has allowed two or fewer goals in 20 of his 26 wins this year. He hasn't lost since New York's previous defeat at home, 5-2, on uh, the 26th of January against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Rangers are 21-7-0 at MSG this season, and their 40 victories through 60 games equals the 72-73 squad for the fewest games to reach the 40-win mark in franchise history. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Islanders return to action on the road, set to face off in Detroit against the Red Wings at 7 p.m. No local action last night in the NBA, but tonight both the Knicks and Nets will return to the floor, but tipping off at 7.30 p.m. The Knicks will host the Golden State Warriors while the Nets welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. And down at MLB Spring Training today, the Mets host the uh, Houston Astros at 6.05, and the Yankees host the Miami Marlins a bit later at 6.30 5 p.m.
That's your Sports No Man. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Let's go down to Texas. Lots of people going to be at the U.S.-Mexico border today. President Biden, Donald Trump going to visit the southern border. Not the same place. The president going to be in Brownsville. The former president going to be in Eagle Pass. Florida Senator Rick Scott says he doesn't think much will come out of either of these visits. We got, are we going to support or not Ukraine? Are we going to secure a border? All these things are coming to head because McConnell and Schumer sit there and they think they'll just cram something down our throat at the last minute. Yeah, so he says it's just a log jam. There is eager anticipation in South Texas for the visit from the president. Activists want him to give a briefing on this new law that allows local cops to arrest anybody they believe crossed the border illegally. I would love for the president to take a stance and to show strength to make sure that we can have a dignified home that's aligned with real Texas values. That's Marisa Limon Garza, who heads the Las Americas Immigrant Advocacy Center. She fears that new law will lead to racial profiling in Texas. I'd like the president to really understand that these laws are designed to create fear and panic. We have given law enforcement a lot of room to have discretion and basically racially profile people. Justice Department has already filed suit to stop that. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell going to step down as GOP leader come November. He made the announcement yesterday on the Senate floor saying it's time for a new generation of leadership. Now it's 2024. I'm now 82. As Ecclesiastes tells us, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. However, I'll complete my job my colleagues have given me until we select a new leader in November and they take the helm next January. Yeah, so he's going to wait until the election's over. Father time remains undefeated. I'm no longer the young man sitting in the back hoping colleagues would remember my name. It's time for the next generation of leadership. He is the longest-serving Senate party leader in American history. He's been elected to lead the Republican conference nine times since 2006. California Governor Gavin Newsom responding to the latest recall effort against him. Newsom telling reporters in Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles rather, that he takes it all you know seriously. It's the same dark forces that went after me last time, went after the state, went after the values of the state. Same folks that want to roll back most of the progress the last half century. Uh, voting rights, civil rights, LGBTQ rights, and women's rights. The latest would be the fifth attempt to oust Newsom from office. The conservative group behind the recall efforts says Newsom has abandoned California to advance his presidential aspirations. It take much in resources to put this back on, and, and then the taxpayers are going to be out hundreds of millions of dollars. So we're organizing very deliberately. I don't take this lightly. 522, South Florida lawmaker wants the state's Surgeon General fired amidst this measles outbreak we've been telling you about this week. Democratic Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz says Dr. Joseph Lepedo should be terminated immediately. He's a super spreader of misinformation, and it's putting children's lives at risk and our community's lives at risk. We're up to nine cases. Yeah, so those cases have actually arisen since then. Uh, she says people aren't being told that they need the vaccine, the measles shot, and that's what's uh, leading to this outbreak in uh, at least one school in Broward County and another community upstate. Pope Francis 
visiting a hospital in Rome yesterday after skipping a reading at his general audience at the Vatican. Correspondent Keir Simons has the latest. After the general audience, Pope Francis went to Gemelli Hospital for some diagnostic tests, and they say they confirmed that at the end he returned to the Vatican. Now, the Answer News Agency saying this morning that it was a scheduled visit, but no further announcement was made about what exactly took place. It's not unusual for the Pope. You'll remember that as a young man, he lost a part of his uh, lung. He had that uh, removed. And so we have seen uh, on many occasions him struggle with some respiratory challenges. Yeah, and over the weekend, the Vatican did say he was suffering from flu-like symptoms. The 87-year-old pontiff has been hospitalized a number of times over the past several years. The banging sound that kept the hopes of families and rescuers alive in the search for that doom titan submersible had been revealed for the first time in a chilling new audio and video of part of a documentary that's about to come up. The desperate search for that sub was launched after, you'll remember, it lost contact with its mothership and vanished during that expedition to the Titanic wreck. This was June of last year. After an agonizing wait for news late in the second day of the search, reports had emerged that a banging noise was detected. Now, initially, they kind of dismissed this. But now, uh, going back and listening to it again, some researchers and people who are experts in this say it might have been the people inside that submersible banging for help. This is the first time that the banging has been publicly heard. Yeah, so apparently it came in intervals that wouldn't have been anything else. And initially they said maybe it was junk under the water, maybe something connected to the Titanic. But some scientists who have looked at this and now heard the tape said, no, this is probably those people who were in that submersible banging, hopefully hoping they would get some help. Late in day two, CNN reports that the Canadians heard banging noises at 30 minute intervals from under the ocean. And that changed everything. Sounds like it could be somebody knocking. The symmetry between those knocking is, is very unusual. It's rhythmic. It's like somebody is making that sound. And the fact that it's repeated is, is really unusual. Yeah, and you remember how we were all gripped trying to figure out what had happened to this submersible. It was the 18th that went missing. They finally found debris field from it on the 22nd. They had said that they thought that they had died right away, but that banging would lead to the, the, you and others to think that maybe they were alive longer than people initially thought. 525, a recent study has found that the Internet has helped fuel growth in the entertainment industry instead of harming it, as a lot of people predicted. Trevor Wagner with the Computer and Communications Industry Association says the recording industry had a significant revenue gain in 2022 due to streaming services. As a result... Uh, we see that streaming services like Spotify are actually driving more total revenue into the recording industry uh, than actually existed, say, 15 or 25 years ago. Yeah, it's, of course, harder to measure than it was back in the day when you bought albums and cassettes. The recording industry says $26.2 billion in revenue for 2022 alone. The number just started increasing enormously, and we've now gone from fewer than 2,000 movies being released globally worldwide uh, in 2000 to almost 6,000 in 2023. And speaking of music and music icons, Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan, going to hit the road together this summer. On the road again. Nelson bringing Dylan along as a headliner in his annual Outlaw Music Festival Tour. The truck's going to kick off June 21st in Georgia. 
make uh, stops all over the country. The closest one looks like to us is going to be up in Buffalo. But, uh, well, I'll tell you this. As seeing somebody who is a big Bob Dylan fan and then went to see him in concert, you can you can skip seeing him in concert. He's not very good. The opening ballot rings this morning on Wall Street after stocks closed lower on Wednesday. The Dow fell 23 points. S&P 500 fell 8. The Nasdaq dropped 87 points. That came as investors look forward to today's release of January's PCEP. That's the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index Report. It's a mouthful. PCE report used by the Fed to measure inflation. Data from that report could influence expectations on the timing of an interest rate cut from the Federal Reserve. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Thursday, February 29th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. A mix of sun and clouds today, high 43. Tonight and overnight clouds. Clear, low 31, and then Friday sunshine, the high 47. You'll notice right away, it's a lot colder than it has been over the last week. If you are walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 32 and clear in North Hempstead out on Long Island. It's 31 and clear in Patterson down in New Jersey. And it is 31 and clear right outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour here in the city. It was sad to see that Richard Lewis passed away at 76. Deadline confirming the iconic actor and stand-up comic's death yesterday. He died at his home in Los Angeles after suffering a heart attack. He had revealed just last year that he had been living with Parkinson's for a while, and that's why he had stopped doing stand-up. I'm finished with stand-up. I'm just focusing on writing and acting. Uh, I have Parkinson's disease, but I'm under a doctor's care, and everything is cool, and I love my wife. I love my little puppy dog. And I love all of my friends and my fans, and now you know where it's been at the last three and a half years. Now, he had quite a career doing stand-up. He had uh, did a lot of TV and movies, but clearly for most people, they'll know him as being part of the great cast of Curb Your Enthusiasm, where he played, well, I guess a fictionalized version of himself. Uh, he came up with other comedians, including Andy Kaufman, Richard Belzer, I mean, really some great comics, was a late-night show favorite. I don't care about you f- Oh, so this is a scene from uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. I don't care about your f- play because my bird died and you sent the most ridiculous, despicable text. Sorry about your bird. The good news is I'm still alive. A prick. Rick, this is a tragedy. You treated it like it was nothing. <laughs> okay, from uh, Larry David putting out a message yesterday. He said, Richard and I were born three days apart in the same hospital, and for most of my life, he's been like a brother to me. He went on to say he had that rare combination of being the funniest person and also the sweetest, but today he made me sob, and for that, I'll never forgive him. They met, actually, at summer camp. I mean, that's how long their relationship goes back, and then they re-met when they were stand-up comedians. Um, here is, and now listening to this scene, it's sort of eerie. Here's a scene from this season, which is the last season of Curb Your Enthusiasm, between 
um, uh, between Larry David and Richard Lewis. I have better news for you. I'm leaving you in my will. I'm tweaking it, and you're in it. No, 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 don't, don't do that. It's done. You're in. I don't want to be in it. I have money. I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. When I die, I want you to know how much I care about you. I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to give it to charity. You're my best friend. You're getting it. No, I'm making a Sherman-esque statement about the will right now. I'm sick of your historical references. If nominated, I will not run. If bequeathed, I will not accept. Well, I'm bequeathing. Well, I'm not accepting. Well, you'll have to accept. Don't give it to me. Don't hurt my feelings. I'm not going to keep a penny of it. <laughs> you're hurting me. You know, if you weren't a fan of that show, go back and watch the episodes. So much of it is improvised. They have an outline of what they want to do in a scene, and then most of the, it is improvised. There's not a script there, and maybe that's part of the reason the show has been so successful. And I was a huge fan. Richard Lewis was a gigantic radio fan. He loved radio. And um, one of my first times that I got to see him do stand-up was at a radio convention years ago. And he talked about how he loved radio, and as a comic uh, when he was on the road, he always made sure to go to the local radio stations to promote his gig. So you can imagine how thrilled I was on the morning of December 13th, 2016. I get off the air at 6 a.m. after doing this news hour, and there's an email from him that says, Hey, Noam, big fan. I'm listening whenever I'm here in New York. Now, I read it, and I didn't believe it was him. I thought it was some sort of false thing. So I wrote back. I said, Is this really you? He sent me his phone number. We had a nice conversation uh, on the phone, and it was a thrill of a lifetime. It was one of those moments when you're like, oh, this job is a really cool job. I got to talk to one of my comedic heroes, Richard Lewis. So sorry to see that he has passed away at 76 years old. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Long Island, this mystery that police have been unable to solve. For the fourth time in five weeks, thieves have used a U-Haul truck to steal jet skis from the front yard of a home. Now, jet skis are, they're expensive. This new video shows it happening at 3 a.m. in Massapequa. Joe Batista, talking to News 12, says he found out after his wife called him while he was on his way to work and noticed that the jet ski was missing. They called the police, they filed a report, and then they looked at security camera. And in the case of all of these uh, thieves or these robberies or whatever you want to call it, the person drives up in a U-Haul with another person and they're able to cut chains or whatever that's locking the jet ski down and then put it into the U-Haul and drive off. Put them away. Don't leave them in your driveway. Don't lock them up because these guys are not young kids. These are professional thieves that are stealing these jet skis. And if it's in your driveway, they're going to disappear. Yeah, so they there's only f- there's four or five of these they know about, but they think there's probably more of these crimes that maybe people haven't been reported. In the case of Joe Batista, who had his stolen from Massapequa, he said he spent $20,000 on that jet ski two years ago for his son. And he says, you know, it's a huge bummer. He knows he's never going to see it again. A moment of severe panic turning into a sense of relief for a mom who could have made a potentially fatal mistake. She stops at a grocery store on Jamaica Avenue near 169th Street in Queens yesterday. And uh, in this newly obtained surveillance video, you watch her hop out of her Toyota, 
leaving her five-year-old daughter inside to go into a market. She's inside that market for all of about a minute and a half, and someone then jumps into the car and drives off. I just saw a car sped off, and then I heard a person, you know, yelling. Yeah, so all of a sudden she runs out, realizing what has taken place. The NYPD says a good Samaritan found the child about 15 minutes later near the YMCA on Parsons Boulevard, brought her to the 103rd Precinct, where she was then thankfully reunited with her mother. Then investigators later found the missing car up in the Bronx. Uh, Andy Keto was there when the car jacking happened. You never leave your car unattended, especially with a child inside. Yeah, I mean, how many times we've done this story? And thankfully, this one has a good ending, and most times they do, but... I just unbuckle them. I know it's I remember those days where you'd pull up and you just need to get a quart of milk or something like that. And, you know, like you got to unbuckle them out of the seat. You got to pull them out, carry them in. And it would be so much easier if you can leave them in the car. And maybe back in the old days, you could, but not today. That's devastating. Yeah. To come back and then not only your car, you can get the car back. But your child. I'm a mother as well. And um, I would never leave my baby or my no. small child in a car. Even if you're just running in for a second, I think you should take them with you. Yeah, well, I think she's learned her lesson. Police investigating a fatal shooting yesterday afternoon left a man dead in Crown Heights. He's a member of the West African community there. This was about 6 o'clock. They get a 911 call about a man shot on McKeever Place. Cops race to the scene. They found this 33-year-old, Lamine Ba, with a gunshot wound to the head. They rush into the hospital. Unfortunately, he passes away when he gets there. Well-known member of the West African community, and some of them were speaking out last night. He's a nice guy, I told you. He's nice for everybody from here. He don't have no problem. Everybody, you see the people cry from here. Everybody, you know, uh, I can't talk too much about it. I'm so sorry about it. I'm too upset. Yeah, Bob described as a hardworking, easygoing. So far, nobody knows what took place. Four shell casings were recovered at the scene. No gunman's been found. Police have not detailed a motive for Ba's death. Governor Hochul is renewing her call for stronger measures to enforce New York's cannabis law. She says progress is being made for licensed dispensaries to sell cannabis legally. But if you're somebody who's buying pot in New York City, my guess is the chance that you're buying it at a legal dispensary is not very high because Every block, there's an illegal shop. So why go look for a legal one if there's one right around the corner? In fact, right here on the next block over from us is essentially an illegal pot shop. I mean, they sell all kinds of stuff, juice and soda and chips, but you can buy weed there and it's not legal. But nobody has shut these places down. Let's give states and localities ways that they can padlock the doors, number one. And shut down these flagrant violators. You know, the city has said they were going to go after these violators as well. But there's no real sense that this has happened. I mean, again, there's a store on the next block over. They are not a legal dispensary. They have a huge green leaf. When you walk on the sidewalk, there's a green leaf on the sidewalk. That's an image from the store that lets you know what's being sold inside. And yet over two-thirds of the legal dispensaries we have are minority and women-owned businesses. And last year, we doubled the number of legal black-owned dispensaries that exist, not just in here, doubled the number nationwide. Yeah, so the issue is, is they just haven't rolled these out fast enough for, to meet the demand of people who want to buy legal weed. And if you remember, when the state 
made weed legal, the first people they were going to give dispensaries to were the people who had been prosecuted uh, on, on these marijuana charges for you know smoking it or maybe selling it. And um, so but it's not really it's working out for those people, too, by the way. Everybody seems to be making money here. I don't expect them to track down and know who the illegal operators are. They would tell us that they're not required to. So I say to them, let us help you. Let us give you the list of legal vendors. Yeah, I mean, I could give you the list. <laughs> okay. 545, I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, I just talked to people here, and they say, oh, my God, there's every, you know 10 of them in my neighborhood. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk. Here's Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Layden. Start here in the NHL. Artemi Panarin had two goals and an assist. Igor Shesterkin stopped 30 shots, and the Rangers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-1 to last night. At the Garden, Chris Kreider had a goal and an assist, and Adam Fox also scored for the Rangers, who won their sixth straight game at home and 11th in their last 12 tries. New York, first in the Eastern Conference, improved to 12-2-1 in the last 15 games, three nights after having a 10-game winning streak snapped at Columbus on Sunday. Kreider and Panarin scored empty netters, 41 seconds apart in the final minute. Kreider got his 30th, the third straight season the veteran forward has achieved that milestone, and Panarin increased his career best total to 35. The Rangers have 83 points, tied with Vancouver atop the NHL standings, though the Canucks have uh, played one more game. Panarin's first goal of the night was the 250th of his career, which included two seasons with the Blue Jackets before he signed a seven-year free agent contract with the Rangers in July 2019. Panarin leads the Rangers with 82 points and has points in 48 of New York's 60 games this season. Uh, the Rangers finished February with a 10-1-0 record, outscoring opponents 40-22. to Shesterkin won his seventh straight game to improve to 26-12 and won this season. The 28-year-old tender has allowed two or fewer goals in 20 of his 26 wins this year. He hasn't lost since New York's previous defeat at home, 5-2 on January 26 against the Vegas Golden Knights. The Rangers 21-7-0 at MSG this season and their 40 victories through 60 games equals the 72-73 squad for the fewest games to reach the 40-win mark in franchise history. Looking ahead to tonight on the ice, the Islanders return to action on the road set to face off in Detroit against the Red Wings at 7 p.m. No local action last night in the NBA, but but, to, uh, but tonight, I should say. Both the Knicks and Nets will return to the floor, both tipping off at 7.30 p.m. The Knicks will host the Golden State Warriors, while the Nets welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. And down at MLB spring, uh, spring training today, the Mets host the Houston Astros for 6.05 first pitch, and the Yanks host the Miami Marlins a bit later at 6.35. That's Sports Gnome. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Catch you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. Remember earlier this week we told you about that furniture store in Queens where up to 80 people were sleeping in the basement, 80 migrants uh, sleeping in shifts. There was 40 beds, two bathrooms. Uh, they then pulled those people out, offered them a chance to live in shelters. And then last night they found another place where the, basically the exact same thing was happening. This was up in the Bronx. It was a store where also a bunch of migrants were living in bunk beds, just two bathrooms. In this case, they were paying the owner of the store, it was an empty store, $2,400 deposits and $300 a month to stay in this tiny retail space on East Kingsbridge Road. He said it's not good because the bathroom is outside. So anybody going to the bathroom, like you say, and then you're, you're going to go smell and then whatever they use over there. What? So the bathroom, is a, it's not, the condition is not good. 
45 beds in small, poorly ventilated space, 34 beds on the first floor, 11 beds in the cellar, all tightly packed together. And to make this just a little more frightening, inside also, they were charging a ton of electric bikes and scooters inside right where they were sleeping. Inspectors also found extension cords, space heaters, hot plates throughout both floors of the buildings. I mean, this could have really potentially been tragic. So good thing they found it. You don't know about the law. So the only thing he know, he have place to, 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 to live because he's cold outside. You don't have no choice. You're going to take it. Yeah, so the men had paid the rent. Now they want to know if they're going to get any of that money back. The city offered them a chance to live in a shelter, and a bus pulled up to take them to a local migrant shelter. They found the owner of this space. So apparently it's the same guy. Uh, we haven't confirmed this, but this is what we're being told, is that it's the same guy who owns the furniture store in Queens is the one who owns this retail space in the Bronx. So he says he was doing it just to be a good guy, but it sounds like he was making some money doing this as well. The guys will they will be sleeping on the streets for days. So when they started coming to me, telling me their stories, I started helping them. Yeah, so he might have been just doing it to be a good guy, but in the process, he was making some money. The men who were kicked out last night, of course, upset that they're out all that money. They kicked them out so they don't have no place to sleep. I'm wondering uh, if the police are going to leave them like that or they're going to take them to the shelter. That's what I just want to know. Yeah, so some people did board that bus to a migrant shelter. Others said they would find other places to live. Wild scene in Iowa last night. They were trying to put Thomas Creech to death, the Idaho Department of Corrections. Creech, convicted of five murders in three states, also killed an inmate, which led to the death sentence. But they couldn't figure this out. They were unable to establish an IV for the lethal drugs. NBC's Liz Krutz has more. Media witnesses describe how the 73-year-old laid strapped on the execution table for more than 45 minutes, at times looking over and waving at his family. His eyes started to fill with tears, and I heard him sniffling. Yeah, so medics made eight attempts to start this IV on Thomas Creech to no avail. They can figure this out. So the Idaho Department of Corrections warden stepped in, and he stopped the execution. Not clear what's going to happen next. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear Donald Trump's appeal of the unanimous lower court decision rejecting his claims of sweeping presidential immunity in the face of that special counsel case against him for alleged election interference back in 2020. The justices said they'll take up this question in oral arguments the week of April 22nd. ABC News' Supreme Court uh, correspondent has more. So think about the United States versus Nixon, another case involving a president making sweeping claims of immunity. Um, and the court in 1974 decided that case three weeks, less than three weeks after the oral argument. So we could get a quick decision, say, in early May, but that would still require the trial court to resume proceedings and move things along very, very quickly. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how back uh, quickly that decision comes back. But those oral arguments will take place the week of April 22nd. And Congress leaders have reached a deal for a short-term funding extension to prevent that partial government shutdown that was set to take place on Saturday. The House is expected to vote Thursday on a bill for temporary funding. The Senate will then vote shortly after. It is expected to pass in the House but may face some hurdles in the Senate. The deal would stop a potential shutdown this Friday of around 20 percent of the government with a new funding deadline of March the 8th for that 20 percent and March the 22nd for the other 80 percent. I'm Mark Mayfield. 
just heard about this from uh, people who had reached out to us. I want to see if we can help them out. This food pantry in Piscataway, New Jersey, a fire spread through this long operating food pantry. That's a real big part of the community. The mayor there says the blaze destroyed all the donated food. All the donated uh, clothing, supplies to residents, um, gutting the building. And now, of course, they're looking for help to rebuild. But this is a great loss because there's approximately 2,500 clients uh, that use this site on any given week. It's about between 40 and 60 families. Yeah, a lot of people essentially survive off this food pantry. So they've moved it now to a nearby Baptist church. But if you want to throw them a couple bucks, you can go to the Piscataway's official website their you know official town website and there's a link there on how you can help this pantry reopen get back out on its feet new york city unveiling a first of its kind green economy action plan mayor adams says the plan lays out a road map to invest in jobs in sectors that help combat climate change and build for the future new york city has always uh, take upon t- taken upon that initiative and have millions of both White-collar jobs and blue-collar jobs. Now we're introducing a new terminology in our society, green-collar jobs. Yes, so New York City has 133,000 green jobs. Now the goal is to create 400,000 so-called green-collar jobs by 2040. A resident of India is on what he calls the ultimate road trip. He's trying to set a record, Guinness Book World of Records, Muhammad Sinan. His set a goal to visit 75 countries across three continents traveling by car. So once he gets off the plane, he has to drive anywhere to, I guess, beat this record. He's 30 years old. Yesterday, he was here in New York. He met with the Suffolk County Police Department. They actually gave him a check for $250 to help him to continue on his journey. He's sleeping in the back of his car. He's doing something that's pretty cool. You know, anytime somebody does something for the first time in the world or breaks any sort of world record, it's pretty astonishing. And uh, for him to make us one of his stops along the way, uh, you know, we feel honored. Yeah, so I guess the record is driving every single road once you get to a place. I'm not sure what kind of record this is, but anyway, he's finishing his 7,500, uh, 75 country, 62,000 mile trip in July out in California. I love traveling. I don't have any other habits like drinking or smoking or this kind of thing. This is my drug, basically. So uh, uh, driving alone is like, uh, that makes me um, uh, like thrilled every day. So I don't feel any boarding or nothing. Yes, yeah, so uh, his next stop is Washington, D.C., but he says he'll never forget. Long Island. Oh, Long Island is beautiful. Like, I had uh, some different opinion about USA. People lost, uh, like people will be, uh, no, so won't be so friendly, but it's totally different. It's totally opposite than that one. So uh, people are so friendly and so welcoming everywhere. Wherever I go, like, they're like, okay, come on, like, give me a hug. Yes, yeah, so initially he didn't think much of Americans, but he says he thinks a whole lot more of them now.